payroll and HR services, things can get complicated. There are so many moving parts in business. At Avalon HR, we understand and we have your back. Join us on the Pensacola Expert Panel as we guide you through the complicated world of payroll and HR services. Running a business is busy work. Allow Avalon HR to work with you. Join us tomorrow on the Pensacola Expert Panel at 10. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Serving overseas was just the beginning. We might be home from war, but our mission continues in communities all across the country. It's why we're out there in times of peace and crisis, providing meals to the hungry and supplies to the sick. It's why we're giving strength to those who are too weak and bringing resources to those without them. Service doesn't stop when we're done serving. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. When you think News Radio 923, think local. With three local hosts every weekday and a dedicated local newsroom, no other station covers local issues like what's going on with the progress of Three Mile Bridge or the Pensacola Beach sign, the homeless population in Pensacola, overcrowding of animal shelters in Santa Rosa County, the latest drama of the e scooters, traffic warnings and storm coverage, and more. Your local news station is News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Where is this money coming from, right? Like, how, how is this going to affect public schools. This will not affect public schools. The FEFP is money that is, is a per student allocation. If the district is not teaching a child, the district doesn't get paid for that child. So if a child chooses to go to a private school, the district is not responsible, but the district is also not getting paid. But that works as it is right now. I mean, students move school districts, they move states all the time. and. It works the exact same way. So there's a yes and a no component to this answer. This is Representative Angie Nixon, Democrat, and uh, Representative Kaylee Tuck, who is the, actually the chair of the committee they're hearing this bill in on Thursday, but she stepped aside from her role as chairwoman in order to present the bill itself. Um, the issue here is the voucher program, expanding it to everybody regardless of income level, also allowing homeschool parents to get uh, this money to be used for some purposes, uh, 10,000 homeschool parents first year, 20,000 homeschool students the second year, and also to expand the ability for uh, folks with special needs to be able to get their kids off the waiting list that currently exists to get them out of public school and into a private school that would be a better fit for them. So it's a big plan. It's H1, HB1, which is the uh, very dramatic expansion of funding for vouchers. And uh, Angie Nixon's asking, well, you know, aren't public schools going to lose a lot of money? Well, the answer is honestly probably not because, again, my assessment is I don't think there's an awful lot of parents who make $100,000 or more that are currently not putting their kids in private school because they're not getting a $7,700 a year subsidy, who will put their kids in private school when they do get a $7,700 a year subsidy. Maybe. Okay, maybe. But I think probably the impact of this subsidy phases out somewhere in the, you know, what, $200,000 a year income range? 
I mean, come on, how many people are making, let's say, a half a million dollars a year like, no, nah, can't support for seven grand? You know, right? I mean, that's the difference. We're not talking about the full freight of private tuition. We're talking about just the subsidy portion. Will that make a difference? It may make a difference for some. I just don't think it's all that many. So I don't know how much expansion this will be of getting kids out of public school and into private school. Okay, I just I don't know how much this will affect that issue. The other thing is, and remember, by the way, just one of the things to consider here is the historic problem with private schools is that there's just not enough seats. There's not enough places. Like if all of a sudden, you know, you made it so that uh, the state would pay for everybody to go to private school, full freight, whatever the cost is, there aren't enough seats. <laughs> you know, there's there's a whole system built around public education that still educates the vast majority of students. And there's not enough space in the private schools. You'd have to dramatically increase the number of private schools, the number of spaces, hire teachers, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, but um, so will this affect the, the public schools? Well, probably not as much as critics think that it will. But also keep in mind that um, there is a question, and she's right, by the way, Kayla Tuck is is correct, that, you know, right now if a student uh, leaves or, you know, they do to homeschool or something like that, you know, the, the school district um, uh, it doesn't, doesn't get the money for the kids that are not attending, right? But, however, there is a question of variable cost versus fixed cost, which I think one of the other Democrats, Catherine Waldron, brought up. It's a good point. I also understand the concept of if a student's not going to a public school, uh, they're not, you know, there's no, technically there's no cost to that public school, but really uh, that's true only if it's 100% variable costs. There are fixed costs associated with public schools. So Right. You've bought equipment. You've bought buses. You've hired teachers. And sure, you can fire teachers, but there's, you know, lag time in any institution adapting to changing demand, which is what it is when kids leave the school. It's changing demand for that product. Uh, the school itself, the infrastructure, the um, air conditioners, the heat, I mean, all that stuff. OK, so just because, you know, five students leave and therefore they take their thirty five hundred dollars or their thirty five thousand dollars with them. That doesn't mean that you can automatically just, you know, reduce your cost by thirty five grand. You know, a whole teacher is for 30 students. You know, just there's a lot of things about this that are not quite the way they would seem. And so I just want to, you know, be fair in the discussion. So what is the point um, of doing this? Why do they want to accomplish it? And especially on this issue of which parents are being empowered to send their kids to private school. Angie Nixon again. If the intent of the bill is to give public schools, parents, other options, then can students that never went to public school, why, why are we allowing them the opportunity to receive a voucher? Just to be clear, the intent of the bill is to give every parent an option, regardless of if they've been to public school. Yeah, but what she's getting at is if you right now have Jim, little Jimmy, is in private school, and now you're going to start paying his parents eight grand a year, Jimmy's going to continue to be in private school. As a state, what did you get for your eight grand? The answer is nothing. You didn't get anything except that now the state is subsidizing the private school instead of the parents subsidizing the private school. And that's what she's at. And it's a fair question. You know, if we're going to spend our limited tax dollars wisely, are we getting an effect for spending money on private school attending students who were already going to be attending private school, which is what this bill would do? That's a fair question. 616 on News Radio 92.3. Candy is out today. I've got Jenna with Traffic on the Fives. Good morning. Still seeing some congestion in the area of Warrington and Navy Boulevard, as well as front gate of NES Pensacola and Gulf Breeze Parkway westbound 
in the area of Whisper Bay Boulevard. Uh, but I-10 and I-110 and Highway 90 are moving along at posted speeds. Dense fog is expected on your morning drive, so double check that your headlights are on. Have a traffic tip. Call 850-2626-111. I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much. Uh, back to this conversation about the vouchers plan. So th- they go through the amendments process. And, um, you know, some of the amendments, uh, not surprising amendments coming from the Democrats. Angie Nixon again leading the charge. So this amendment just simply caps income for families who are making a million dollars to be eligible for uh, for this program. Um, I just don't think we should be subsidizing millionaires or billionaires. Um, And that's that's it. This my amendment. Normally my skin would crawl <laughs> at something like this. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, or the more I came to believe, that there is something weird about this. And I don't know why the state is suddenly jumping in to start subsidizing uh, private education for people who clearly can afford it on their own. That doesn't seem like it accomplishes much to me. That's that's the question I've got. And Kayla Tuck said this is an unfriendly amendment and it doesn't do anything. I don't know if a million is right. And a hundred thousand might be too low the current uh, threshold, but you know three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. It seems like somewhere in there you get a fairly reasonable number where you're going to send your kid to private school anyway. And what does the state get for spending money on your child? That's the question, right? Uh, you can say, well, for equality's sake. I mean, it, honestly, <laughs> God, I hate to say it. Democrats criticize Republicans for saying that uh, all we ever want to do is give money to wealthy people. <clears throat> <laughs> You know, this bill has that dimension. Is that all it does? No. But does it do that? Yeah. There's another question of how much it's going to cost. She said that um, this would cost, you know, in in Arizona where they did this, $32 million was the plan, $300 million was the actual cost, or at least, you know, it starts to look like that. I can see that. Oh, and by the way, just as a FYI to, you know, make sure you're informed on the topic, there are a lot of schools. I think the number is roughly a third of, of private schools don't even take the vouchers. I mean, like, you know, because what you think is uh, perhaps you think, well, you know, I would send my kid to um, Episcopal Day School. Episcopal Day School doesn't take the vouchers. Right? I mean, like, there are several, most of, uh, you know, like I said, about a third of the schools in the state of Florida, their private schools, uh, don't take the voucher program. And so you're a bill, and I'm, I'm not criticizing EDS. There's a lot of religious schools that just don't want to get entangled with state money for very fair reasons, you know? And so they don't they just don't take the voucher. So it's not like the voucher existing is going to give you the ability to put your kid into the education you want. It's the education alternate to the public school of the schools that will take vouchers. You know, like Creative Learning Academy is one that also doesn't take them. Um, PCA doesn't take them. So, you know, that's just to kind of be aware of the terrain here. Uh, there was a kind of an interesting moment or two, though, where Amendments came from uh, Susan Valdez, who is uh, the ranking member on that particular subcommittee, a Democrat, and she brought up a couple of um, uh, issues that were, I thought, appropriate and good, and they were accepted as amendments. One was to tell that the um, there has to be a basically um, a disclaimer in the voucher program that tells parents, look, you might get a voucher, but that doesn't mean your kid's going to get accepted into a school, which is a fair thing to be aware of. You know, just because you have the money doesn't mean you get into the school. Another one was that private schools would have to notify the public schools of how many kids they're expecting to enroll as a way of the public schools being able to budget more effectively. That was also put in. 
And then Angie Nixon came in with one about, you know, don't prohibit against gender identity, sexual orientation, hairstyle, whatever. And that got, you know, no, we're not going to do that. So the bill did pass its first committee, 13 to 4, overwhelmingly, because uh, the Republicans are a super majority and Democrats are a super minority. I hadn't heard that term before, but somebody asked in the press conference uh, with the Democrats on guns yesterday. I thought it was a good term. The Democrats are a super minority, <laughs> meaning that they are well less than even a veto, uh, you know, assist. They can't, there's nothing, there's almost nothing they can do if they don't have Republicans on their side in uh, the state legislature in Tallahassee. So here I am, a guy who is historically adamantly in favor of vouchers, in favor of private education, competition, homeschool, religious school, secular, alternate school, all of that, always in favor of it. School choice, yes, 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 yes. I I hate the government monopoly on schools. I hate all of it. And yet when I look at this bill, I probably have more questions than I have answers. And I, I come pretty close to being a no on this bill, frankly, just me personally. Now, if, you know, would I vote no if I were a Republican in the legislature? Eh. <laughs> you know, I'm just... I would I would favor some kind of an income cap. It seems to make sense to me. Again, based on getting the most effect for your dollars. 622 on News Radio 923. Feel free to disagree with me as always at 437-1620-437-1620. I'm Andrew McKay. This is Pastor Carl Gallops of the Hicker Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Are you and your family looking for a church that when Sunday morning rolls around you can say, "Oh good, it's time to go to church." Well, let me invite you to consider worshiping with us at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church, where multiplied hundreds of people say these very words every Sunday. We are doctrinally sound, featuring the exaltation of Jesus Christ and the clear contextual preaching of the Bible. The Bible is made relevant and exciting. You're convicted, challenged, encouraged, and uplifted at the same time. We have premier youth ministries, children's ministries, senior adult ministries, Bible studies, and missions outreach. We have a team of pastoral counselors offering guidance for your Christian and family life. You can find out everything you'd want to know about us on our huge and highly interactive website at hickoryhammockbaptist.org. Let me give you an open invitation to worship at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church this Sunday morning. And then the next Sunday, you'll say, oh good, it's time to go to church. I kid you not, regular members and even first-time guests say it every single Sunday. At Gulf Breeze News, they get it. They know you want to know what's happening in your community, whether that means investigative reporting, area events, or op-eds from your fellow Breezers. The Gulf Breeze News truly is your community newspaper. Call 932-8986 and subscribe today. You can read online if you prefer to use your iPad or computer, or get your freshly printed newspaper delivered right to your mailbox. From city to county, politics to sports. Subscribe now at gulfbreezenews.com. Join Dr. Witcher, the newest orthodontist in town, with Smart Smiles Orthodontics this Thursday at 9.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. Dr. Witcher brings affordable braces, Invisalign, and free consultations to Pensacola. Call or text in your questions for Dr. Witcher, 850-437-1620. Find out how affordable braces are, Invisalign, and book an early free consultation for your child. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Stream us online at newsradio923.com or download the News Radio Pensacola app. So forget any ideas you got about lost cities, exotic travel, and digging up the world. We do not follow maps to buried treasure, and X never, ever marks the spot.
Good morning. 624 here on News Radio 92.3. Uh, I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Somebody writes in, why not take the money that would be spent on vouchers in private schools and use that to improve the public schools that are failing? Wouldn't that have a bigger impact? What if 90% of the families decide to leave a failing school and use vouchers for private school? Uh, not a reality, but still a possibility. No, uh, that's the argument the Democrats are making, is if we've got all this money laying around to spend on private education for Mostly school uh, students who are already going to those schools. Not, not by the way, the homeschool expansion, the uh, special needs uh, student expansion, and at least some of the expansion on the income cap for vouchers will fund people uh, that don't currently get it. It will benefit people who are not currently. That's true. Okay, but yeah, look, there's a certain amount of this money that's going to be spent that would be available to do other things with, and. Would there be better uses for it, for example, in the public school system instead of subsidizing people who are very well off? I, I think that's a fair question. I do. I, I, that's a fair question. I don't think throwing money at the public school system is always the answer either. <laughs> you know. So 625, before we get to David Wayne in the newsroom, let's get Jenna Barr in here with Traffic on the Fives. We're still seeing that congestion in the area of Warrington and Navy Boulevard as well as the front gate of NAS Pensacola right down the street there. Gulf Breeze Parkway westbound in the area of Whisper Bay Boulevard is showing some congestion, but I-10 and I-110 are checking in clear. Dense fog is expected on your morning drive, so double check that your headlights are on. Have a traffic tip. Call 850 I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jenna. Candy's out today. Jenna's so capably sitting in for her as she does from time to time. David's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The Biden administration set to end two emergencies related to the COVID pandemic on May 11th. On uh, Monday, the White House informed Congress that both the national emergency and public health emergency will come to an end. Uh, ending most of the COVID relief money. Former President Donald Trump suing journalist Bob Woodward over interview recordings that uh, Trump says were released without his permission. The lawsuit filed Monday says the interviews were conducted over the last two years Trump was in office. Uh, The former president says he consented to being recorded only for a book Woodward was was writing in 2020, and uh, he says the journalist broke a promise by later using those interviews in an audio book. And today is National Hot Chocolate Day. Uh, January 31st has been dedicated to America's favorite cold weather beverages. It probably makes sense more in uh, some other parts of the country than it does here, but it's uh, an ancient holiday whoa, dating whoa, all whoa. the way back. Judgy to- McSmurf, are back. you saying trying to tell people here they can't drink hot chocolate? No, 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 no. I'm right, not saying careful, they can't. Careful, careful. I'm just saying some of the pictures I saw from the Midwest, a hot Chocolate might, you know, be a little more warming than it is here when it's 65. <laughs> might, might be the difference between you living and dying in the Midwest, whereas but, here it's just, now, have you, you know. You, have you ever tried the uh, the Mayan version of hot chocolate with, uh, with the chili peppers and everything? I, well, I've had, I've had hot chocolate with the, El the Diablo. chili. El yes. Diablo. El Diablo hot chocolate, yes. There's very few things that you can add spice to and make them worse. I'm just saying. It's, it's really good. Yeah, I'm a fan. So it's pungent. David, thanks so much for the update. When I, you know, when I first saw that story about Trump suing Bob Woodward, I thought, come on. But then when I read the issue of he says that he gave consent only for the book based on the tapes and that the tapes were for notes and not to the use of the actual audio recording. And he says, Trump says, that they repeatedly told Bob Woodward and made that clear that he was not allowed to use the recordings as publishing material. Uh, I don't know. That that's sounds like, like the a, same that's a, it's not. That's a vote for Trump, man, because you're using his voice, which is the, that's the seller. The seller is 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 Trump's voice, not Bob's writing. <laughs> so I don't know. I you know I at first I thought this was a ridiculous lawsuit, and then when I looked at it again, I thought hmm, 
Interesting. I'd be curious to read the contract. Not curious enough to actually go read the contract if it's available, but, you know, I'm, I'm taking everybody's fact claims granted. Uh, I'd probably vote for Trump on this one, although $50 million is a bit much, but he says that's the total value of the number of He's trying to make audiobooks. up for the other lawsuits yeah, right? he's lost. <laughs> So, yeah, and this is, by the way, this is a good example we were talking about Shane Tucker yesterday. Remember the whole, like, and and this morning when we replayed it, is that the relationship you have with somebody and their reputation tends to bias the way you think about them, good and bad. And, for example, you know, Trump files a lawsuit that even has the whiff of frivolousness about it or frivolity about it, and you tend to want to read it that way. Like, come on, he, he sues over everything. You know, what's this? Well, you know, listen, maybe this one has merit to it. So 629 on News Radio 92.3. Uh, what else do we have going on? Um, oh, we um, oh, I'll get to that in a second. We're going to talk about guns coming up next after the break. Um, but, uh, oh, I, I mentioned this earlier. I will mention it again. I did manage to get in touch with uh, Witzel Green Cadell, the folks who made the uh, who built the jail. And uh, their answer is, look, it's in litigation. We can't talk about it. Nevertheless, we think the timeline and the fact that the uh, the county is putting up this challenge to us and ending the contract now, a year after we filed a lawsuit against them to get the money they owe us, that it's a legal strategy and we'll see them in court. So a lot of this is a, we'll see everybody in court and then we'll have an answer about who's right about the fat claims one way or the other. Free tax assistance from the United Way West Florida's Volunteer Income Tax Assistance VITA program is for families that make less than $60,000 a year. There are several different locations that you can go to get that help and you can call 211 to schedule a time. David, what do you have coming up, sir? An update on that shooting at a house party last weekend after Fox. Fox News, I'm Chris Foster. The Biden administration announces plans to let coronavirus pandemic emergency measures expire May 11th. So no more free tests or treatments, for example. Announcement comes in response to House Republicans' push to immediately end both the public health and national emergencies. The White House claims that ending the emergencies abruptly would result in, quote, wide-ranging chaos and uncertainty. Fox's Kevin Cork. Jurors at Alex, Alec Murdoch's trial in South Carolina hear an interview with investigators he gave after his wife and son Paul's murder. At one point, state prosecutor Creighton Waters stopped the interview playback and had Special Agent Jeff Croft repeat what he heard. This is so bad. I did him so bad. What did he say? It's just so bad. I did him so bad. They also have him on tape saying he fell asleep before leaving to visit his mother the night of the murders. But prosecutors earlier said their cell phone video of Alec with Paul at the time he says he was asleep. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal. America's listening to Fox News. It's 631 News Radio 92.3. Cloudy skies. Uh, Very foggy out as well this morning. Uh, So be careful if you're out driving anywhere early this morning. Investigation continuing after a fatal shooting at a large house party in Bellevue over the weekend. Sheriff Chip Simmons tells Channel 3 more than 100 people showed up at this house on Pin High Drive early on Sunday morning. The most odd thing about this, this is a a residential neighborhood and there were cars lined all out front and we didn't get a single call. Uh, Simmons says four men with guns showed up, began shooting about one o'clock that morning and the sheriff's office says uh, two people were shot, one of those men and were one of those victims taken to the hospital or he died so far. No suspects in that shooting. Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office made one arrest. They say they're still looking for one suspect after a dead dog and several other malnourished animals were discovered recently. 42-year-old Anthony Harold Hopkins was arrested last week. 30-year-old Haley Williams still at large. This is relating to an incident uh, back in January. On the 17th, deputies went to Hopkins' home on Highway 4 and J for a theft investigation. While they were there, they discovered a dead dog that was decomposed and uh, at least four other malnourished animals 
also found at that property. A recent state audit determined that the Escambia County, uh, Escambia County did not properly document how $614,000 in bed tax dollars were spent in 2021. That money connected to tourism. While the auditors aren't asking the county to pay the money back, there will be some changes on the way. They want our ordinances to be in line with state statutes. They want it to be more clear when the, when the board um, is allocating money from, from this pot. They want us to specifically state this is expressly to promote tourism. This is comports with the statutes. This is an allowable use, things like that. That was District 1 Commissioner Jeff Burgos during a special Tourist Development Council meeting last week, and he says he doesn't believe there was any nefarious action taken, but things do need to be tightened up. A little bit of an unwelcome surprise yesterday. A large SUV crashed into a home in Escambia County. That happened uh, at a house on Georgia Drive just after 3.30 yesterday. Investigators say one person was taken to the hospital. No other information has been released as of yet. Governor Ron DeSantis wants to speed up the completion of about 20 different highway projects across the state. $7 billion is going to be used to get that work done. They're really ready to get going. We just need to put the funds in place. And so we're looking to do things like widen existing roadways, making existing highway connections more efficient, expanding interchanges to be more free-flowing. And uh, under the proposal, $4 billion would come from the revenue surplus. Another $3 million would be raised. And of the 20 statewide projects, one of them is local here in our area. That's I-10 from the eastbound, <laughs> eastbound way station to Nine Mile Road, $162 million committed to that project. And uh, changes could be coming to a college in Sarasota. The Board of Trustees of the uh, new College of Florida meeting today and one member may be calling for the demotion of that college president, Patricia Oker. Board member Eddie Spear recently tweeted that he wants to demote Oker to interim president and terminate all contracts for faculty. 635 at News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at your traffic on the fives. Jenna, what are you seeing? Seeing some minor delays on Gulf Breeze Parkway. That's eastbound in the area of Tiger Point by the Super Walmart, as well as east and westbound by Oriole Beach Road. Still seeing those uh, delays in the area of Warrington and Navy Boulevard, as well as the front gate of NES Pensacola is reporting congestion. But I-10 and I-110 are both checking in clear. Dense fog is expected on your morning drive, so double check that your lights are on. Have a traffic tip, call 850-2626-111. I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. We're going to be seeing mostly cloudy skies today with temperatures warming up near 71 degrees. We will have a 10% chance of a few stray showers, otherwise cloudy skies low tonight near 60. As you go into Wednesday, small chance of rain continues, 10% chance of rain overall with mostly cloudy skies. High on Wednesday near 71, Wednesday night temperatures dropping near 62. Rain chance will increase by Thursday with 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high near 76. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. Cloudy skies, again that dense fog is in our area, 65 right now in Pennsylvania. Cola 65 in Gulf Breeze, one degree cooler at 64 in Milton. Our next news at seven, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Ain't seen nothing like this. Come on and give me some more. We're gonna shake the floor. I bust down the door. You ain't seen nothing like this. But I think we can use the premise that 
just like accused people that are accused rather of crime are innocent until proven guilty, I think we can assume that our citizens are going to do the right thing when it comes to carrying and bearing arms. So I generally very much agree with uh, Hernando Sheriff and the uh, president of the Florida Sheriff's Association, Al Nienhuis, yesterday at the press conference to announce the uh, un- the unveiling of the bills they're going to make for permitless concealed carry in the state of Florida. I don't think that analogy is as good as he thinks because uh, presumed innocent before proven guilty is how we protect you from unjust uh, abuse of the government taking away your liberty. At the same time, when uh, you do things that require or that create greater danger to other people, just follow with me for a second, like driving a car, uh, we don't say that you're entitled to that without any certification, training, or requirement. Uh, when it comes to guns, we're having this conversation. We've had this conversation for a long time. And the conversation is, should there be any restrictions whatsoever on people carrying or concealing weapons? My answer is, I, t- I tend to think no. I, I-, I think no. I, I like... Uh, permitless concealed carry, what the uh, advocates here are calling constitutional carry. That's a terrible label because our current system is constitutional. Um, it's they, they don't like it because their view of the Constitution is that the government should be and should not be involved in regulating this at all. And I tend to think that we're better off if we have both open carry and permitless concealed carry. But I don't think the current system is unconstitutional. I've, I, you know, I lived in Illinois where you had to have a firearm owner ID card in order to buy guns, carry guns. And like I have a carry permit from Florida. I can't carry in Illinois. I can't even have it in the front of my car when I drive to Illinois. Like it's really crazy the restrictions they have there, uh, like New York, like California, and certainly the city of Chicago is its own special crazy case. But back to this proposal, okay? The basic idea here is that the same the same people would be allowed to conceal carry as now. You just wouldn't have to have a permit to do it. And the same places that you can and cannot conceal carry now would be true then. You just don't have to have a permit in order to do it. I know I can speak for my fellow sheriffs in saying that we don't know of any criminal that ever planned to do a drive-by shooting and in the process said, oh, I've got to go get my permit first. They're going to break the law regardless of whether a permit's in place or not. Yeah, and so the basic difference here is that law-abiding citizens, people who might have a legitimate interest in specific threats against them and therefore want to concealed carry— without having a permit, like let's say they haven't just never applied for one, right? You know, you haven't applied for one, you know it takes a certain amount of time, and all of a sudden, you know, your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend is making crazy threats, or there's some bad behavior near your workplace, or, you know, you got a neighbor that's agitated about you because he thinks you mowed his lawn, or, you know, whatever, right? The, the kind of conflicts that come up in life, okay? And you become concerned about your personal safety. Well, you don't have a permit. What do you do? You either carry illegally, or... You wait in time to get the permit, and if you don't even have a gun, right? Okay, so what this would do, this would allow you to immediately adapt to the new circumstance and carry that day, immediately, when you become concerned about it. And the point is is that the criminals are going to do that no matter what. (laughs) The only people who regulate themselves, who restrain themselves, are people who are law-abiding citizens, as Sheriff Wayne Ivey from Brevard County. It's about time. Florida is taking this huge step, and what we're doing is checking off the box again and showing that Florida is the freedom state. It's showing that citizens have a right to protect themselves. And I want to thank the speaker, our bill sponsors, and our governor for making this a priority. This lets people protect themselves at their judgment based on their assessment of their personal safety and their capability of doing so effectively. Representative Chuck Brandon, who's the bill sponsor. This bill will allow Floridians to conceal 
carry their firearm without the red tape and expense of a government license. It is only fitting that the citizens of the freest nation, freest state in the nation, be given the right to constitutional carry. Florida will not become between you and your freedom to protect yourself. Those are the advocates, and one of the people who spoke was Donna Michaels. She is a, uh, it's, it's, it's a story, and I just want to warn you. Well, okay, she, she was the victim of sexual assault when she was in the Navy. She had an abusive dad. Uh, she was, by her account, raped by one of her um, uh, superiors, basically, in the Navy. She doesn't blame the Navy, but she knows the danger, okay? And she was then a cop, and she retired from being a cop, and she was a firearms instructor, and she said she got denied in Florida. She, she as retired cop, firearms instructor, got denied in the state of Florida. It took her nine months to finally get her carry permit. And so... She's looking at the world, which is full of threats, and as a f- cop, she knows that police are not there on the scene when the crime is about to happen. They're there soon, but not immediately. So it's up to you until the police get there, which is minutes, typically, right? And in minutes, an awful lot can happen. And she says, look, um, you know, my, my daughter is getting ready to go out into the world, and um, I know that I can't protect her. And she can't legally buy a gun for herself, because she's 18, that's an additional problem. But at the very least, with permitless carry, once she turns 21, she can protect herself. Right? That's, yes, all of that. 645 on News Radio 92.3. What did the critics have to say? I'll share that with you in just a second. Jenna's in for candy this morning with Traffic on the Fives. The following Traffic on the Fives is brought to you by Jackson Hewitt. We are seeing delays in Gulf Breeze heading eastbound on Gulf Breeze Parkway in the area of Tiger Point by the Super Walmart, as well as east and westbound in the area of Oriole Beach Road. In Pensacola, heading into Pace, expect some slowdowns on Highway 90 heading eastbound. Front gate of NES Pensacola is backed up, beginning around Bayou Grand Lane in the area of the Vital Wraps. Dense fog is expected on your morning drive, so double-check that your headlights are on. Jackson Hewitt guarantees your biggest tax refund, plus a chance to double your refund with the Double Your Refund sweepstakes. No purchase necessary. U.S. residents 18 or older who file a 2022 federal return. This ends April 2nd, 2023. Have a traffic tip? Call 850-2626-111. I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jenna. Getting a couple of texts in here. I want to share them with you. One person here says, uh, "I wish we could carry concealed on the military bases in Pensacola. Uh, I really deal feel somewhat unsafe when uh, I'm unable to protect myself every single day." This is from a from a female. I understand that. Somebody else says, uh, "Illinois sucks." Yeah, I lived there for a long time. I understand. <laughs> Somebody oh somebody else says Andrew you can mow my lawn by mistake and you'll just get a thank you. <laughs> That's right. That's funny. Four three seven sixteen twenty four three seven sixteen twenty. Somebody else says I like my concealed carry card because I can walk in and buy my handgun and go home with it that day. No, that's true. There are other benefits to having a concealed carry permit, uh, including the ability to travel and carry for states that have reciprocity. So what did the critics? What did the Democrats do? Well, the Republicans did a live press conference. The Democrats did a um, like a Zoom call basically. And this is uh, Representative Christine Hunshovsky. What we heard today in the press conference was basically um, untrained carry is what it is. When you look at what's required to get a permit for concealed carry, it's meeting an age requirement, it's meeting a citizenship and a residency requirement, and it's also meeting a requirement that shows that you underwent training so that you can prove competency in handling a firearm. And it also means that you passed um, a background check 
in the sense that you don't have anything in your criminal record that would disqualify you. So what I think they ought to do is they ought to come out in favor of widespread training on weapons use. If the Democrats want to get something done to avoid what they call untrained carry, then the, the suggestion I would give them is come out in favor of widespread training. You know, train kids, <laughs> train people how to use guns safely, and then you won't have as much of that problem. Um, the other thing is this allegation, they say, that, and they, they're always engaged in kind of hyperbolic criticisms here. This is Representative Dan Daly. But it's a step back in time to the, to the days of the Wild West, you know, where any gunslinger could wear their gun on their hip and, uh, and, and enforce justice as they saw fit. Um, in my opinion, it doesn't belong in a, in a civilized society. Um, and look, I, I'm a supporter, as I think we all are on this call, of the Second Amendment. I'm a former uh, concealed carry permit holder. Um, I have no no issue with the Second Amendment. So I'm not clear what his objection to or is here, because is he objecting to open carry? That's the gunslinger idea. Is he objecting to permit carry? Because that would be people still carrying it around on their hip or in their lower back or under their arm or, you know, right? I mean, I... I don't know what his objection here is other than to engage in incendiary language of saying it's somehow the gunslingers of the Old West, which kind of came up again and again and again. Representative Anna Eskamani. There are serious issues in crime reduction, and this is not going to help. It's actually going to empower more people to carry firearms who are untrained and, and are going to become a vigilante environment where, where you can't tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Vigilante. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's such an effete way of saying it. Anyway, the, no, look, the point is you just don't like being around guns. Okay, I understand, and I understand. And you don't feel safe around your fellow citizen. I mean, you'll drive next to him on the highway and not think a thing of it, but all of a sudden, right? Well, Andrew, they get they gotta have a driver's license. You know people drive without a license on the highway? You know. You put your lives in your fellow citizens' hands all the time without thinking about it. And I have been around, again, I've been around open carry. I've been around a lot of concealed carry. I'm telling you that when I go to the police station, there's a lot of guns. I don't feel less safe. (laughs) Well, Andrew, they're trained. Okay. But I've been in places where they didn't have required training, and I felt safer. I felt safe in Oregon and Arizona at the grocery store when I could see people carrying guns around on their hip like gunslinger vigilantes. Because I knew that nobody was going to wander in there and start shooting up the place because there was a lot of people there to stop that from happening. And we have two stories in the news in the last day. One in Chicago where this elderly homeowner uh, stopped an intruder by having a gun. He had a permit for his, because in Chicago you would have to, okay? Uh, And in Philadelphia, would-be carjacker got stopped by the, the victims of the carjacking, had a gun, shot him, and stopped the carjacking. It makes a difference, both for deterrence and to physically stopping these events. Will there be some cases of lesser trained, lesser capable people who carry and then make bad decisions? Perhaps they drink, whatever. Of of course there will be. But you invite some of that in exchange for allowing people to protect themselves when they want to and not have to go through the government to pay a price and in order to get a card, in order to give them the ability to protect themselves and other people. That's the trade. I'll take that trade because I trust my fellow citizens. And again, just to be clear, I favor both open carry and permitless concealed carry. I favor any of it. For my fellow citizens who I trust with my life all the time in all kinds of ways. 652 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay.
350, 355 in Florida. Texas is 312. California is 455, worst and best in the country. 323 east at the Walmart in Navarre, 324 west at the other a Walmart, uh, 326 at the foot of the Garcon Point Bridge at the Murphy across the street. Oh, actually, I think that is not the Murphy. No, no, it is. Uh, 341 in Gulf Breeze. That's at the uh, Exxon, I believe. Yeah, that's right. In Milton, 333 at the Sefco. Same at the Pea Ridge Murphy. Uh, 335 at the Tom Thumb in Pace. Uh, 318 on Nine Mile at the Walmart. 319 at the Murphy in front of the Walmart on US 29. And then coming in from the southwest, uh, you got 329 at the TNC or also at the Shell on Cervantes. 655, News Radio 923. We'll get David in here in a second. Before that, uh, Candy's out today. Um, let's get Jen in here with Traffic on the Fives. If you're heading to Mary Esther this morning on Highway 98 eastbound, you'll see some stop-and-go traffic starting around Windhaven Beach area until you get to about Hurlburt Field. In Pensacola, heading into Pace, expect some slowdowns on Highway 90 heading eastbound and expect delays if you're on Navy Boulevard in the area of Warrington Road in both directions. Front gate of NES Pensacola is still backed up till about Bayou Grand Lane in the area of the Vital Wrap Shop and dense fog is expected this morning, so double-check that your headlights are on. Have a Traffic tip, call 850 I'm Jenna Barr for News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jenna. Going to the newsroom now, David Wayne's got our headlines. David? Three Memphis EMTs have now been fired over the death of Tyree Nichols. Memphis Fire Department says those first responders violated department policies by not performing an adequate patient assessment. Six Memphis police officers have now been fired, five of them charged with first or second degree murder. Uh, the uh, conflicting accounts now on who's responsible for a suicide attack on a mosque in Pakistan yesterday. 60 people dead, at least 150 wounded in that attack. Two Pakistani Taliban officials initially said their group was responsible, but a spokesperson later denied involvement. And the Powerball jackpot getting, uh, well, getting up there. No grand prize winner last night. Uh, the top prize for tomorrow's drawing now six hundred and fifty-three million dollars. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. Six fifty-six here on News Radio ninety-two-three. Um, yeah, th- this. By, by the way, just to be clear, because I think sometimes people are unclear about what is actually being proposed. This law with regards to concealed carry is um, that you would be allowed to uh, concealed carry without a permit as long as you're eligible to do so. Like, for example, you don't have a felony conviction. Right. And as long as you do it in a place that you're allowed to do so, like you still wouldn't be able to take it to a school. Okay, so the same rules about place and the same rules about who would still be in effect. The difference is you don't have to go through the process of applying for the permit from the state, paying a fee for the permit from the state and then carrying the permit. I think you would still be obligated to carry a license around, um, which is so that if you wind up getting, uh, you know, I don't know, confronted by the police and they have to run a check just to make sure that you're allowed to carry the gun, that you could be able to satisfy that legal requirement. But, you know, you wouldn't have to have, obviously, the concealed carry. But you could still get one. You could still get one in order to carry in another state uh, or, you know, like as some people said, there are certain advantages of having them uh, that can be useful. 657 on News Radio 92.3, time for... Future news, that's when Jenna and I, Jenna sitting in for candy today, tell you what's going to happen before it happens. All right, since we're on this conversation, will permitless carry pass in Florida like it has already passed in Alabama? I think so, yeah. Yeah, overwhelmingly so. That'll be the law by this summer. Will open carry, that you can actually display the gun on your hip or in a holster, will that be the law in Florida, let's say, in the next two years? Maybe. I think not. I, weirdly, although I support it, I don't feel there's the gr- I great... I could totally see you with a... 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's the great appetite for it that uh, for this other one that there is. Um, the uh, diverging diamond interchange at Pine Forest is part of one of the proposals that the governor announced yesterday to fund that, accelerate that, including widening and improvements to highway uh, to I-10 from four lanes to six lanes west of Nine Mile. Will all of that get done? I don't think anytime soon. I think it will. Really? Yeah, and I the diverging diamonds are fantastic. They are very, very awkward at first. You still want more construction. But once you get to it, once you, no, but that'll make that intersection at Pine Forest so much better. It really will. Oh my will. gosh! It's yes, a, it's I a know. catastrophe right now. Every day, everybody we avoid knows it. it. <laughs> but yeah, but but it's true that during the construction, it's going to be even worse than it is now. Um, <laughs> will there be any income cap in the final version of the voucher expansion plan? That is, will it get passed? I, I think it will get passed, but there needs to be an income I think there cap. should be an income cap. I don't think there will be one. I think the Republicans are just committed to the for everybody kind of nature of this. Um, Which seems stupid, Yeah, I, 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 I think they're missing an opportunity to be a little bit more reasonable, quite frankly. Uh, who will win the Trump lawsuit against Bob Woodward? Trump or Woodward? Let's hope Trump, but his record is not looking great. I, you know, I told you before, I, I actually side with him on this one, and I don't often on these cases. A car crashes into a home in Escambia County and a state audit says that Escambia County didn't document their bed tax dollars right. Those stories and more after this update from Fox. They aren't charged now, but could be. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. Two Memphis police officers relieved of their duty for their roles in the Tyree Nichols traffic stop turned beating that has five now ex-cops charged with murder. But that's not the only new fallout. The Memphis Fire Department has fired three emergency responders. Fox's Grinnell Scott has more. According to an investigation, EMTs Jamichael Sandridge, Robert Long, and Lieutenant Michelle Whitaker responded to the scene on the basis of a first call of a person pepper sprayed. Chief Sweat said even after seeing Nichols on the ground handcuffed and leaning against 